podcast with your host Mary Wynn and this is the podcast where we watch bomb films so you don't have to but if you want to it'd be great because then you'd understand what we're talking about you should definitely be enjoying this with us yes um today we have a very lovely guest in today who chose the film uh, and his name is Dave yep Dave <laughs> What? I forgot your last name. Hunsaker. Hey. Okay, Dave Hunsaker in today. And we're doing Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1999's Man on the Moon. Um, yeah, like why you chose this because you wanted to watch it, correct? Uh, this This movie actually probably at some point in my life was easily in my top 10 or top 15. Uh-huh. I believe that. Movies. Word, I, word on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did I own it. I watched a digital version that I ripped from my DVD collection <laughs> and kept on a hard drive before I sold my DVDs. Nice. Wow. So that is where I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you believe they put a man on the moon? I don't believe in the moon landing, <laughs> but Whoa, I, controversial. Controversial, wow. But <laughs> that has nothing to do with the movie at all. Um, but yes, go on, Dave. Yes. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, I wasn't sure because I loved this movie. I remember I was a kid who just liked melodrama mm-hmm. and I thought it was deep and cool. And then I remembered after we picked the movie wait a minute, I think there was a documentary about this. Uh-huh. Yes. And so before watching, re-watching the movie, I watched the documentary. Nice. And then I went into the movie this time a little bit uh, skeptical. Right. Yeah. And because of Jim Carrey being a wackadoo on yeah. this whole set. Right? Yeah, he went full Jared Leto <laughs> suicide squad, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and the Go doc- ahead and explain that if you don't mind. Wait, um, well, the documentary that Dave is talking about is the Jim and Andy, uh, The Great Beyond on Netflix, which is streaming currently and anybody can watch it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I've seen it twice now. Once when it came out and then again before rewatching this movie. And it's mostly about how he just went method, full method for this role as Andy Kaufman, Jim Carrey. Yeah. yeah, he's on set as Andy or as Tony. Um, though he also describes being on the beach and um, thinking about the movie and communicating telepathically and seeing dolphins jump out of the water 30 all at once. <laughs> and then uh, then also later on while he was communicating telepathically in the world, he said he saw Andy tap him on the shoulder and say, I'm going to make this movie. And so he basically says he was possessed by the spirit of Andy Kaufman. Good God. <laughs> Which is kind of hard for me. I don't know. <laughs> to believe? After watching this film, I don't know how I stand on Andy Kaufman. Same here. Yeah. Like, um, this was my first time viewing the film. I never watched the documentary, which I'm going to save for after this record. Um 
But yeah, it is a insane, mostly true story about Andy, the comedian Andy Kaufman, who died tragically at 35, I believe. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah, he was very young when he passed away. But we'll get into like the the we'll get into the weeds about this movie. <laughs> Um, So the uh, let me give the background. Um, It's directed by Milos Milos Forman. Um, He directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which won five Oscars, which is the most Oscar. I think it's only three other films ever, or two other films ever to have won five Oscars that year, or like uh, in their year. He it won um, best director, best actor, best actress. Um, best picture, best adapted screenplay. So he's on top of the world right yeah. now. Um, and then he directed The People vs. Flint, uh, Larry Flint in 96, which is going to be on the podcast. It did not do well. Oh, hell yes. Um, and then his last film um, was Goya's Go- uh, Goya Ghosts in 2006, which is a Natalie Portman film. And then um, he passed away last year. Oh, so, yeah. I, I know that. He passed away in 2018, I believe. Yeah. Mm. And then, so as we mentioned, this movie starring Jim Carrey and Danny DeVito, which is a very meta casting, which we'll get into. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of meta stuff happening in this yeah. film. <laughs> and then Courtney Love, who has a very small but important role. And I can't, I'll talk about it in my pitch, but yeah, it's, it could have been bigger. And then Paul Giamatti. Killing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a stacked film. Yeah. Um, so the budget for the film it was like from 52 to $82 million. <laughs> it's a pit, pretty big range. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't – I this is what Wikipedia was telling me. And um, did you look up the box office at all or no? Um, I think I saw it on IMDb in all my research. <laughs> what, what, did oh. you see, what did you say? Was it like 30-something? No, $47.4 million. Oh, so it's a little better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now this is where we get into our pitches, and then I'll, I'll um, say mine. I actually like this film. It wasn't the worst film, and I've we've watched dog shit films. <laughs> <laughs> dog shit films. <laughs> and this wasn't bad. I liked it. Uh, but I wanted... Some more of those real moments, but then again, like the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, Andy Kaufman was portrayed as a phony, but he that was his career move, I guess. Like a lot of his stuff was just like funny to him, you know what I mean? Yeah, and so of course, this film would be more about his antics. I don't know, there was like a, not enough like real moments, and then like near the end, he kind of has like those. Those moments, like in, uh, we'll talk about it more in depth, but there's a part where Andy Kaufman is voted off of SNL where he couldn't come back onto it. And he was like bummed about that. And I yeah. didn't buy it, like at all. Mm. Like I didn't think he was really that, like, cause he wanted to be an asshole too. So, and I didn't think that he, he should have known the consequences of his like actions, you know? Yeah. I will say this film is the only is the first film that we've ever done that made me cry really uh, yeah just I, on this last watch yeah <laughs> well I've, I've watched it before for sure yeah i definitely was sad and i was more into it but i was i definitely was like against this film for a while or whatever watching it I was like mm, there's problem stuff in there and then 
kind of towards the end, I was like, well, I'm crying now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just today when you watched it? Today. <laughs> I'm freshly cried. That's great. I like yeah. that. So, okay. So, my to sum up my pitch, I wanted more things that were real about his life. Like, not just, like, his crazy antics, but, like, also, they could have expanded on his two-year relationship with his girlfriend. Because he that was the longest relationship he's ever had. Even his, like, family didn't believe he was dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was, there could have, there was something special about her. Yeah. Like, she, but they didn't really play that up at all. Mm. No, uh, I think this movie, it just sort of exists. I I like it. I still. Yeah. I went into it after watching the documentary thinking like I need to find something to nitpick about this movie. And I found plenty. Mm-hmm. But overall it's still uh it, pretty great. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey did a good job. Oh yeah. But um also it's like the tones a little off. Mm-hmm. They sort of felt like they wanted to be kind of an Oscar bait biopic, but as uh, sort of silly. So either you need to go full Jim Carrey and, uh, you know, I can't believe that he never turned around and made his butt say thank you very much <laughs> at any point during the movie. <laughs> that would have been great. You either need to go full Jim Carrey or they need to really just lean into the cancer and the sadness if yeah. you want an Oscar. Yeah, that's But true. it was just kind of in between. Mm-hmm. And also, I can see, I read that their fam- the family was not, thrilled with how it was portrayed. Oh. And I think it's because sometimes Andy was a genius and you saw like, oh, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And other times he just seemed like an idiot or an asshole. Yeah. Like he didn't know what was going on, but I think he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they right. couldn't decide if Andy Kaufman really knew what he was doing or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I love the introduction into his like actual career. That, uh, and again, we'll talk about it. But he was complete. Like I thought, he was a genius there. But then when he was becoming this asshole wrestler, I didn't get what he was trying to say with that. Like, mm. what was he? Like, what was the point? That, like, I understood Tony Clifton too. Like, even though his, that was like his. Like, I got what his point for that was, but I didn't understand the wrestling part. He just became obsessed with wrestling, and that was it. See that I, I think that's I'm like the opposite. Really? I, I feel like he was I don't think he was I mean, I I after watching this movie, I was like, he wasn't funny, he was just an asshole. Mm-hmm. He just was a sociopath and played pranks on everybody. But he did a really good thing for wrestling and established this bad guy heel thing that uh-huh. had never been done before, uh, in in this way that was such a big public thing and it completely changed wrestling and Made WWF what and WWE what it was or whatever, and but like and that's his, that's the biggest thing he did. I mean, obviously because he ran out of time. Mm-hmm. But all the jokes he was saying is like, that's not fun. Like that. Where's the funny part? Like, <laughs> oh, I got out of my seat to fix it. I mean, that's the only one I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. Yeah. At least what I saw from this portrayal of the movie. Well, I didn't know about the WWE part. Okay, <laughs> I'm no wrestling fan well, or anything. <laughs> Um. Anyways, let's get into the movie. Let's right. get into it. Um. So we open on a black and white Andy Kaufman playing his foreign man character. Um. He's thanking us for coming to his movie. He explains it. It was terrible and stupid. 
he decided to cut out all the baloney. Um, it's much shorter. In fact, this is the end of the movie. And I thought that was like brilliant, yeah. the way that it opened. And it's actually the credits of the film. Yeah, yeah. It's the actual credits. Mm-hmm. He bows and stares at us, then plays a record. The credits roll um, and then it stops because the music needs to be reset and he has to start the music over again on the record. Starts, then stops. And he plays with the music a little bit, which like moves the credits to play with the m- music. Which I thought this was gonna, this opening was gonna be played throughout the whole movie, but then it became like a narrative after that, a linear narrative. Right. Yeah. Like I thought it was gonna be jumping around or like play with that, but th- that was the only bit that, yeah. <laughs> that actually happened in the beginning. Yeah. It would have been interesting to just have Andy Kaufman popping in every once in a while and explaining it like fourth wall breaking yeah. all the time. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it kind of came back at the end. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um. Then it cuts to black. For a while, you think it's like truly the end. And then Andy <laughs> pops his head out. <laughs> Like, I thought, I was like... Did you turn it off? (laughs) Oh, cool. It's done. I, like, moved my... uh, Because I was watching on my computer, I moved my uh, cursor, and it, like, popped up saying, like, there's, like, still something. (laughs) You're like, oh, did I... Did I just black out for an hour and a half? No, I thought that it was playing at the end. Someone had already watched it or something. (laughs) And I was like, that's the brilliance of this movie that it's kind of playing into what Andy wanted. (laughs) But then it never comes back at all. Like it kind of comes back, but like it never like played that that theme, that bit doesn't come back really. Yeah. And then… And he pops his head out and he starts talking to the audience about how he had to do that bit to get the riffraff out. He's speaking in a different voice, like his own voice. And then he and then he goes to the projector and we get the real beginning, which is it starts in Great Neck, Long Island. And we get to see this home video of his family. And then it goes in and it becomes real. Um, it opens on his dad coming home and asking where the Andy was because he, his other kid was like playing outside or like something yep. like that. Yeah. And he wanted to see where Andy was and then he goes up to his room and Andy's talking to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and his Real dad, Blair Witch style. <laughs> yeah. And his dad immediately knows what's going on. <laughs> He's not just like, hey, what's up? He just goes, your room, our house is not a television station. <laughs> he just... Yeah. Lays it out so f- just plainly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, that's strange. Why would why wouldn't you react differently that your kid's up against the wall? <laughs> <laughs> this is, I guess, the hundredth time that he's had to walk in and yeah. be like, Andy, no one, there's no camera here. Yeah. Which it, is like insane. You know, you would, why would you practice in front of the wall? Like, are you closing your eyes? Like, that means you're focused on one part of the, are you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the, to actually be doing that would be insane. It's insane. Um, then Mr. Kaufman wants him to go outside, not pretend to be on TV by himself without an audience. Um, and, and then, like, he, I guess, like, he compromises, the dad compromises and says, like, no, you can act in front of other people. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and then I also was 
confused as to like, oh no, I, I was not confused about this part, but I was like, this is kind of weird because Jim Carrey also acted in The Truman Show, which is about a man who lives in a TV show. Which was a year before. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So it was like almost per- like super. That's the beginning of the meta-ness of this movie. Um, and like, so to continue on. Um, so Andy grabs his little sister and a vitriloquist dummy. And he does an animal song in which she has to respond with the animal noise. And then when the lion comes up, it cuts to a bar where a guy just goes, roar. <laughs> I liked this transition. Yeah. I, I yeah. put a little star and I said, I like this. <laughs> He's just doing the same bit yeah. that he did with his little sister. Yeah, it was a great transition. And then they don't really do that very much near the end. Like, they kind of dropped off this yeah. like, yeah. weird, interesting way of like... Um, Stylized editing yeah, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he's doing the animal song on stage with a very lifeless audience. I, I will say the the directing of the extras in the audience is the best I've ever seen <laughs> in any movie. Uh-huh. Because you really, really, the, 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 the shots he picks for every single person is like, this person's like, oh, it's perfectly timed. Like, mm, I don't know. It's like a shot of like, this is is this supposed to be funny? And then there's like one guy when it's like the beat is it's actually supposed to be funny. It's like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> like, it's throughout that the whole film. Yeah. The extra work is fantastic. Yeah, the AD was really great on yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, again, I I have to mention that it is the adult version of Andy, not the little kid version. <laughs> it's the future. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty. Big leap. They're like, you saw enough of his childhood. His dad told him he needs to have an audience. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have talked to the wall for the rest of his life. <laughs> but this is his moment. This is his origin story. Dad set the rule. And now, oh, I guess I'll do it for people. <laughs> and then it kind of, like, I wish there was more of that interaction with his family throughout the movie. Because it feels like they were barely there. Yeah. Um, you get some disapproving looks from them every once in a uh, while. They're yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Why does he do that? <laughs> I don't understand our son. <laughs> <laughs> that we raised until 18. <laughs> Why isn't he playing sports? <laughs> <laughs> um, so afterwards, uh, Annie comes up to the manager, and he's like a kooky dude. He has like his he- his hoodie on. It's like pulled tightly around his head. Yeah. Uh, this... Adam knows. He yes. pointed at me. Uh, this is a, whatchamacallit, a cameo from the actual real George Shapiro. Danny DeVito's oh. character. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. So the manager of the comedy club yeah, is... Yeah, the club owner. Oh, okay, okay. Is the real yeah. George Shapiro. Whoa. I thought that was very cool. And this is when I wrote down, Andy is dumb? <laughs> Because he seems like they're trying to like, oh, is it artistic integrity? Or also the guy's like, hey, we need to, people are walking out. I need to sell liquor. Uh And he's just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You don't need money for business? Yeah, that was weird. Like, that's a weird choice to make him to be like an idiot. Like, he, although he wanted that reaction too. Like that kind of was his style that he wanted people to walk out on him. But then he wanted an audience at the same time and be 
on Carnegie Hall. So I was like, wait, what? That's not adding up. What? <laughs> like his understanding of the world. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fucking sociopath. <laughs> that's that's why it doesn't add up. I just think this movie didn't do him justice. <laughs> yeah. It just uh I understand he's like, uh, you want me to do take my wife, please. <laughs> but also at the same time he's like, Why do you need to sell things for money? <laughs> well you wait, you paid money for it and then you sell it back for it became just like, Why is he so stupid? Yeah, because yeah. it was this long kind of argument between like what is a joke and what's originality and stuff. And I was like you wanted to be a comedian, so you should know what a joke is. And, like, you can make original jokes. <laughs> the The guy wasn't asking for him to be, like, Bird Bainham saying, take my wife, yeah. that joke. Yeah. <laughs> but then what does he do in the next scene? <laughs> yeah, the next scene, he heads to a club where Danny DeVito, who's playing George Shapiro, is at. Um, he goes up. And does the strain the um, foreigner voice or the foreigner man voice? And I wish that they, he explained where it came from. Yeah, the foreign man sounds like a space visitor man. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I was like, I can't. It doesn't sound like any accent I've ever heard. Yeah, I wish they showed where how he developed that character. You know, because he yeah. went from singing about animals and then going on stage to do this character. True. And then doing this character, doing bits of other people's material. <laughs> it would have been great to like when the dad is scolding uh, little Andy Kaufman. There's like a like a little maid, um, a maid person who's like, uh, "Excuse me, sir, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to vote the towels?" And then Andy's like, "Uh huh, <laughs> okay, I'm keeping that there." <laughs> <laughs> And then he does an impression in the foreigner's voice, uh, man's voice as Jimmy Carter, which mm -hmm. is pretty funny. Which I thought was great. It's like what they say is the perfect joke where the setup is the exact same as the punchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then he announces that he's going to do the, his Elvis impression and he goes all out. He like tear, does tearaways and does long costume change. And it was fantastic. Like, that setup was, like, really great. And the crowd's, like, really getting into it because it's taking him very long to get into character. And um, and then they, like, he turns around and he does an amazing impression of Elvis, which throws everybody off. Like, I was like, this is the perfect joke. Like, <laughs> because you have this, like, expectation going up to it and then yeah. you make them wait for yeah. a really long time and then you do the thing that is against their expectation yeah. flipping it and then he gets some standing ovation for it so yeah. it was like really good yeah and then he's at the end of it he says thank you in the voice the mm -hmm. foreigner's voice right. which was ah, such a great setup great and pattern and yeah stuff. yeah the whole thing makes you think oh this is the genius it's yeah. like he yeah. just knew how to build the tank tension and just like keep people intrigued enough but not so annoyed that they like tune out yeah like everyone's on the edge of their seat like what's this guy doing yeah yeah and then they like erupt it's it's great yeah yeah it's great for like yeah. the breaking of expectations yeah exactly and it and that was just his genius of it and then we'll get into it more but i felt like it fell off of that pattern totally yeah 
of what he was doing uh, with his career later on. So backstage, George goes up to Andy and like really wants to work with him. He's a um, a manager, right? Yes. Yes. He's like a manager. And he he's like gives him his card. And Andy makes up this like elaborate lie about where he's from on this island that sank in the Caspian Sea or something. Oh, yeah. And then uh, George was like, okay, well, here's my card. And then Andy goes, uh, starts talking normally uh, towards uh, George and then this impresses him. And I was like, this is pretty impressive. Like, this is yeah. a really ballsy move to do that to a manager. Yeah. And he recognizes the the name and then that he breaks his character from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they go to dinner at a Thai food place and Andy wants to be the <laughs> biggest star in the world. I had no idea it was Thai food. Yeah, no, because he... <laughs> it, they shoot it. Oh, well, he does this, say the thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 He says like, oh, what was it? Something uh, is good. Something... The ri- it was a type of rice dish, no? I think so. Okay. Something like totally that. I missed it. Yeah. And um, Andy explains that he wants to be the biggest star in the world. He starts aggressively scrubbing his hands with like um, the, uh, the wet wipes or whatever. Uh-huh. And all the while, something is coming out of his nose. <laughs> and I, I think I was like watching, like I was watching and then also taking notes at the same time. And I missed him putting it on his nose or n- it was very quick because yeah. I missed yeah. it too yeah um, and then while talking about his career and wants he makes like this distraction movement while mixing up his water and then he switches the snot thing the fake snot to the other side of his nose and then George points it out and then Andy just gives it to him on a card and says I'm selling this one day people will buy Andy Kaufman's boogers. Essentially, yeah. that's that joke. Well, it's like uh, this continues from the last scene where I still think like, oh, he's a genius. Like, yeah. And even when he's sitting one on one with somebody, he's still like doing bits. Yeah. For his own entertainment. Yeah. And he's just like playing sleight of hand by putting his fork and stirring his water so he can switch this little jewel thing to his other <laughs> nostril. <laughs> and then he somehow, i was trying to look at what that card was that he pulls out and puts on there, but it it's was, like got an illustration. Yeah. I like, think that's like it. Those were like something they sold in like the 70s, yeah. like fake boogers oh, yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. And then he was just going to sign it or something. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I was like, that's so funny and so great. And, and that really impressed George too. Like his, like that he was always on and yeah. always um, making bits and stuff. And then in Hollywood, we cut to Hollywood where George is in his office and he gets a call from an irate person who sounds very similar to Andy Kaufman <laughs> uh, about staying away from Andy and how you should never work with him and he's an asshole that steals bits and stuff. And then that, uh, and then it cuts to Andy at a meditation center and they don't really go into this. I had to look this up. I was like, wait, why is he doing this? And then, But it turns out that he's like the actual Andy Kaufman was really into transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. Which kind of comes up throughout the movie, but I wish it was more into like weaving into his story a little more because it was a really important part of his life too. Yeah, the only it comes back later in the weirdest, most devastating chain of events when they're just like, "You're not welcome at Transcendental <laughs> <Yeah>. Meditation anymore." <laughs> it, it becomes the end of this movie hits a breakneck speed, yeah. and it just becomes 
crazy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it starts out so strong. Yeah, it's incredibly, really yeah. well done. Because I was like really into it. And then it kind of like near the end where I was like, oh, yeah. okay. It could have been tightened up a little bit more. And so he's at this meditation center. And he asks the holy leader or the leader, um, I don't know who it is, um, what the secret to being funny is. And then it takes a beat and the guy answers with silence. And I was like, this is genius. (laughs) Silence is the funniest thing. It's true, yeah. Like it really builds up that tension. And then once someone says something, anything, it's the funniest thing ever. And then it's a direct cut to SNL, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And then we go to SNL. They intro intro the musical guest, Andy Kaufman. Which is, they have had completely different standards for musical guests back in the 70s. (laughs) I don't know if they actually did that as a musical guest or like a, um, or just like a, did they always have a musical guest like that or comedians or something? They, I don't, they might have done comedians back in the day. I think because, I think they did have actual like bands and stuff yeah, like that. Like yeah. I know, I know ba- punk bands were a big thing mm-hmm. in the '80s and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know what that was. Yeah, I, it, it must have been far more variety back when it first started or something. Yeah, um, yeah. Because they bring it up later on that he was like the guest on SNL constantly. Yeah. So was he? I, I didn't look into that. Was he ever a cast member? No. He was just like a frequent guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. a George Carlin. I yeah. watched a couple of the segments, and one of them was like where they took some of the bits from that improv scene that were just, yeah, really funny. Just yeah. him doing impressions. They left out an impression of Archie Bunker that was really good. <laughs> we got to look that up. Um, and then, so his family's there watching him. He makes a funny face for a while and then plays a record. And then... Because he's doing that silent bit, and then he's doing this all silently, and then he plays the record, and he sings with it only when it's his time to sing. Only when Mickey or uh, Mighty Mouse sings. Yeah, yeah. Says his line. It's the Mighty Mouse theme. Yeah, it's, it's one of his famous, uh, Andy Kaufman's famous bits, Mighty Mouse. Yep. And then he gets a huge laugh. This, this kind of solidifies him as a genius um, right. comedian. And I was thinking, like, why Why is this funny? Because I think it's funny. I I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is this funny? Like, breaking it down, like, okay, yes, breaking the silence, the tension thing. Mm-hmm. But truthfully, like, what are we laughing at? The fact that this person only, like, he's so stupid. Instead of performing the whole song, he's just singing. He just chose to sing the one person's bit. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Or are I, we all, you know what I mean? I think so but it's also like the playing with the tension part right yeah he's this nervous kind of like scared fidgety guy and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden he transforms into this very confident boisterous the turn for sure that big turn does help and then he's right back to being nervous and even like missing the cue on the next one yeah Yeah, Yeah, that was fun yeah so I think that's the point of that he's just using that as a bit to be like Nervous and then confident. Yeah. It's and the same thing with the Elvis thing, I would imagine, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, he at uh, back to George's office in L.A., George tells Andy about starring in a sitcom. But Andy hates sitcoms. He thinks it's the dredge of, like, any sort of comedy. 
it is the worst. He rejects the character and the job. And then, because he wants to generate his own material. After some, like, browbeating, Andy finally agrees on some terms, on some conditions, which he writes out for George. One of them is, like, four guaranteed guest spots for a lounge singer named Tony Clifton. And then for Andy to only appear in half of the episodes of the season. So he only did literally half of the episodes every season. So crazy. Yeah. Um, So he was big enough for him to make that demand. And then, so one night, because the whole time George is like, who's Tony Clifton? Mm -hmm. Who is this person? And so um, Andy explains that Tony Clifton is this guy who... Um, also, actually, no. He George kind of does know Tony Clifton because he what he was the person who called him and saying like, "Don't work with Andy." And so he yeah. was like, "Why are you, do you want to like offer him this sweetheart deal for him to sing for or like be part of this show, even though he hates you?" And he was like, "No, because I I lifted some of his stuff for my characters and stuff and blah blah blah." And so. One night, George wants wants to know who Tony Clifton is. He goes to a show, who turns out to be Andy in a like a fat man's disguise with the chin and everything, mm-hmm. and sunglasses, and he's playing this disgusting, terrible lounge singer, <laughs> who is isn't that good? Who's like a roast comic too? He yeah, just, he just goes and does some terrible crowd work. Yeah, <laughs> blue, like super blue crowd yeah. work, um, including. Pouring water on some man's head. Poor Paul Giamatti. Yeah. <laughs> um, poor Paul. Baldy. She's trying to do it. That's a perfect Tony Clifton mm. character. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Yeah. So in the kitchen um, back of the club, George meets up with Andy, who's still like kind of in this character. And then Andy explains to George... There needs to be a good old-fashioned villain in this narrative. And I was like, George, can you dig into this a little more? Like, what kind of villain? You well, know what I mean? The wild, Okay, so the wild part about this, too, is that George goes back there just thinking this asshole uh, lounge singer wants to see him uh-huh. for some reason. And then the whole reveal, you get to see Andy Kaufman's eyes through the sunglasses. And he's like, everybody needs a villain. And his reaction to this is like, oh, motherfucker. Like, you know what I mean? I would be mad. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't find, like, I guess I can understand the villain part. But, like, what what was the point of it? You know what I mean? Like, what? Like, George didn't really dig into, like, this reality. In any Like, he just was like, okay, yeah. you're just being a weirdo. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about that, too. This character, Tony Clifton, has a band. And they're rehearsed enough that they can put on a show and book a show somewhere. There's enough of a name or a yeah. reputation that they can book a show somewhere. And uh, then just uh, screw around with the audience the whole time. Yeah, I don't buy that it was all because, like, like they didn't know it was Andy Kaufman. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure the club knew it was Andy Kaufman putting oh, yeah. on these shows. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, must, I'm pretty sure half of the audience knew it was him. Because there was no way that, like, they were going to do this, you know? I mean, because it was, like, also that whole thing of, like, how are they going to sell this? 
to yeah. like a nobody who's horrible to people. Yeah, the movie plays up that everyone was just clueless all the time. Yeah. Oh, Andy was just doing weird stuff for the sake of weird stuff, yeah. and everyone didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> he was a dick on taxi, and he didn't warn anybody about it. Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure he, like, I've read somewhere that that was not the reality. That, yes, like, yeah, I read that too. Yeah, um, we'll get to that point. Um, so, Andy or George meets up with Andy, and then he asks about like, wait, what about the guy that you poured water on? And then it turns out that guy was in on the joke. He actually writes for Andy Kaufman, and he's uh, he's Bob Zamoda, who is a character, and he still is alive and kicking right now. Yeah, which I guess the rumor is he's the one still doing Tony Clifton. Yeah, uh, out there. Yes, yeah, and it kind of, they kind of touch on that in the movie. And he was a, uh, he was a. Uh, I think he might have been a writer or just consultant on the movie, but they were saying that he's the guy that kind of added the conflict and drama to the movie. Oh. Like the stuff that people don't like is stuff that he's doing, I think, in carrying on Andy's legacy. Like oh. he would want it to seem more dramatic than it actually was. Yeah. Gotcha. That's because I think that was the what they were saying. Like Bob Zamoda is like kind of kind of putting it in there. Yeah. yeah. Emphasizing yeah. it a little too he's much. He's in the movie, by yes. the way. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As who? Uh, we'll get to it. But okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so back at the studio meeting, um, George explains who Tony Clifton is. Because before this, uh, George was talking to the president of ABC and like explaining the demands to them. But um, back at the me- they meet again, and he explains that oh, Tony Clifton is Andy. Don't write this down. Nobody like spread any rumors this is just like a set character that he's playing in real life and um so you guys are getting two andy kaufman's for the price of one so it's a sweetheart deal and then he sells it to them and they they take him on as a character or an actor okay so at a pac-man machine george tells andy the good news <laughs> about in an arcade just no, to say that no like, it was it fun. wasn't even at an arcade it was like a bowling alley <laughs> oh maybe oh all oh, right because he would okay he would go to that bowling alley That's yeah, right. yeah yeah um and he's playing uh and he's playing with like the um arcade and stuff and get and like George tells him that he's getting everything he wanted, including a uh, primetime special on ABC, which he had cr- complete creative control over. Um, and then Andy goes and meditates. And, and then we cut to like a um, taping of Taxi, where Andy is playing his foreigner character, and he gets a standing ovation, and he, I think they're recreating a lot of his famous scenes, yeah, too. Yeah, a lot of montage with the actual cast of Taxi. Yes. It becomes a clip show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, another side note, I think we mentioned it up top, but again, um, uh, Danny DeVito, who plays George Shapiro, is also in Taxi. Right. But they didn't cast oh, anybody yeah. to play Danny DeVito. Well, so he actually requested not to put Danny his put his character in it oh, because okay. then it would just been it would have been kind of too fourth wall breaking mm, yeah, or whatever yeah. yeah we should also mention at this point that 
uh, there has been a lot of celebrities playing themselves so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, Lorne Michaels playing himself. Was he playing himself? Or I thought it was an actor playing him. That was Lorne nope. Michaels, and oh. he did a good impression of Lorne Michaels, I guess. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? There was that part where he's like, somebody says, like, uh, you know, he's got this other genius, like, uh-huh. reputation, too. And they're like, this is dead air. And he, and he just kind of was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, just <laughs> was that in the line, or was that in the script, or what? I've heard that he. Um, I heard from sources that he will like tear you down in one word, Oof. kind of things. He will say certain things that will fucking make you cry <laughs> in one word. Damn. It's just like Tony Clift. He'll just walk up and he'll go bald, <laughs> baldy, <laughs> <laughs> tore me down. Um, so okay so he gets a standing ovation he goes backstage with Bob and he confesses he hates it he hates this so much and he wants to quit which makes him seem like such an asshole to Mm -hmm. me I was like can't you like people are fighting to get this role and you get like everything you've wanted you work only half of the season yeah I think it would have been fun to say like he because, okay, like, if ultimately everything's a joke to him, if he's saying, he's saying these this line of, like, I hate this, if that's a joke, too, like, oh, he's playing on the fact, like, oh, I'm a celebrity of a very terrible show. I have a really great show, and I fucking hate it. Like, it would have been great to have a moment of him kind of saying it was a joke. Somehow, yeah. somebody needs to say what he's doing is a joke just to call it out or label it or something. Yeah. There's no way he was that unhappy yeah. getting laughs. He's a comedian. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And there's also a Zamuda gives them kind of a disturbing line. He's like, if you just do this show, you can gain their trust. <laughs> and then later we can do whatever we want That's with true. them. Yeah. We can suck them in. <laughs> and I call this part of the movie like the Bart gets famous part where well where Bart goes on crusty and becomes famous for knocking over the set and saying, I didn't do it. Uh-huh. And then everyone becomes obsessed and they're like, say the line, Bart, I didn't do it. Mm. And that, in 22 minutes, does a better job of like really delving into it where Bart kind of like wrestles with it and he's like, I want to be known for more. And then he realizes, oh, I'm bringing people joy mm. and this is helping me do other things. Yeah. And in this movie, it's just him complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, this is the worst. Yeah. I should be. Because I have a hard time believing that he hated it. Yeah. Like, in real life. And so, I, yeah. Because it did lead to him having a special on ABC, which is one of three channels at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which. That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't like Netflix where they're just like, oh, I have a thing on Netflix yeah. or Amazon or everybody does. Yeah, yeah, yeah It yeah. was, they were going to put on primetime just him talking to a puppet. Which uh, makes him more of an asshole for <laughs> wanting to fuck with it. Yeah. It's like, guys, they only have three channels. You want them to get up and, and off the seat and bang their TV around? <laughs> what a dick. It was, and also I was thinking about it. If Andy Coffin was alive right now, I feel like he would either hate our culture because it's become oh, his yeah. it's his I got vibes like that the whole time I was like oh everybody's just doing Andy Kaufman now. yeah I mean he's alive his name's Sasha Baron Cohen <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think uh, Borat uh, owes a lot to Andy Kaufman Word. yeah that's true that's true. sure yeah um okay 
maybe some Nathan for you. There's a lot of yeah. You there's know, a lot of comedians out there. Apparently, no one understood anyone being a character back in the eighties. <laughs> and I guess that's the that's the difference between Andy Kaufman and like things from like Nathan for you or or Borat is that they had a written narration track for jokes yeah, to label them as jokes. Yeah. yeah, and Andy never had that. Yeah. He was just like, this is makes sense in my head and it's funny to me. <laughs> Nuts to you guys. My dad said I couldn't talk to the wall. <laughs> so you have to suffer. <laughs> so, so um, uh, on set uh, of his special, Andy isn't happy with the editor because he wants to do to mess with the audience, which I kind of thought was like, okay, this is this yeah. is cool. This fine. is his mark on um, it was just one. Did you ever look up the special at all? I did, and um, the side by side kind of clips of the real thing. Mm. I didn't see him actually mess with the vertical hold or whatever. I was like, did they do that or not? Yeah, yeah, I think or that maybe might they, have been added. They maybe it was added in the movie, but then in the special, he wanted it that way, but then they probably changed it back when they aired it. Yeah, they just pulled the rug out from under him. Well, in the special, he's, like, talking to, uh, what is that? Like, it's the the like, cowboy it's a, puppet. Like a howdy doody. Yeah. Howdy doody. Yeah. yeah. It's his a- actual howdy doody, too. Um, and so the president of the network comes down and allows him to do 10 seconds of the prank. Because he kind of gets it. He's like, okay, I guess that's pretty funny. And so during a network meeting, they screen the special and it becomes too artsy to air. <laughs> and and then there's that one point where they do the, the vertical hold and one of the executives gets up and goes, we're, we're ABC. Like, have we don't even have the money to have, like, good television or something. He starts hitting it and people who gets it starts laughing. About it. And then, but in the end, like, they decide not to air it at all. Which is kind of upsetting because he was like, that was the deal. Yeah, I kind of figured that would have gotten him out of his contract with Taxi. Yeah. If they really broke their agreement. But that's never brought up. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, they're not going to air it. Okay, because I'll keep doing Taxi. Yeah, being doing this miserable job that I hate so much. Yeah. Yeah. Which shows that he actually probably liked it. Yeah. And then we'll get to the ending where, like, there's a scene. We'll talk about it. Um, at a diner, two dudes see Andy working as a busboy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was very funny. Hell yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> this was very funny. This, I was not looking at the screen. And I was like, wait a minute. I know that voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I rewind. And it's Pat Oswalt yeah. with a mullet, a mustache, <laughs> and a denim vest. It's Pat Oswalt in full Joe Dirt cosplay. Yes. Blonde. Just say, yeah. <laughs> a blonde just going, Pat hey, are you Andy Kaufman? <laughs> <laughs> and he turns around, he goes, I get that a lot. <laughs> then yeah. busses away. I get, I, I, that's funny. Yeah, I think that that's was funny. Like a yep. great scene. And I, I wish that. Should have been more of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. more of that. Like where he's like kind of sulking and being yeah. an asshole, but like a lovable, funny asshole at yeah. the same time. Yeah, he's like Bill Moore- Murray, essentially. Like Bill Murray just does that now. Yeah. All those yeah. things of him going to weddings. And shit, yeah. Um, and then George comes up to him in a, a like, and I was like, wait, 
he said that he wasn't Andy and nobody's calling him out after him lying to him. Like, it was just, they could have punched that up a little more. And then George comes up to him and apologizes for the network. And then he books Andy on a college tour, which I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, um, at the college, the crowd cheers for Latka, which is his foreigner character's name on, um, on Taxi. And Andy goes backstage to get a book. And he goes on back on stage and reads The Great Gatsby in a British accent. And the crowd starts cheering for Latka. And he says Latka's trademark line and then continues reading from the book. And, he, and then they were like, they kept on jeering for him to bring back Latka. So they, and so, or like his famous bits and stuff. And then, and so he starts he was like, oh, I'll play a record for you guys. And then he plays it. It's more reading of Great Gatsby. <laughs> See, that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Even just like the tone shift from thank you very much back to the British reading. It yeah. was just like, oh, that works so well. Yeah. And then the unexpected of just the reading being on the record. Yeah. Yeah. I And then and again, in that scene, I was like, I was like, where's the reality of there must be fans of his actual stand up somewhere. Because he was on SNL. So, of course, they would know what his, like, comedy bits are. Yeah, he never really had material. The one bit I watched, it was just, he was just in character. He got mm. up there. He was nervous. He pretended he forgot what he was doing. <laughs> he started crying. And then while he was crying, started making a crying sound effect while drumming at the same time. Right. And, and That's a really famous was, bit, yeah. It was pretty brilliant. Yeah. It was great. But it's not something you could quote to your friends. <laughs> Did you guys see the new Andy Coffin? It was so cool. He was like, <laughs> and then he stood silently for two minutes. That was so funny when he did that. <laughs> you can't really, uh, yeah, recap it so much. Yeah. So uh, by the end of this um, this session, this uh, stand-up, set. this set, it's an empty theater. He walks the whole <laughs> auditorium, except for one dude, yeah, right? Or a couple yeah. of people. Were, Some people fell asleep. Yeah, we're asleep in the theater. And when he finishes the book, <laughs> they leave. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I wish that people had camera phones back then. No, the one guy was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> 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 he woke up. He's like, yeah, hell yeah. They're like, sorry, clapping. <laughs> <laughs> there's always that one guy in the crowd that just likes everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still um, those people who were like, I was there the one time he read the whole Great Gatsby. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Until he lost his voice. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like current day comedians where, um, what's his name? Um, Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He like read, <laughs> well, I forgot what he was reading out of something it, because he got pissed off that people were kept on screaming at him and oh like, yeah it's the same thing yeah too he's like oh i'm rich bitch do the do the yeah and then yeah he he that's why he didn't do stand-up for a long time too because yeah he was plagued by it yeah i guess comedy fans are the same every decade <laughs> and they'll act the same until end of time yeah this just goes to show you if you're too funny on a tv show you'll never be happy ever again <laughs> nope <laughs> So, um, George chews Andy out for the last show. George, and then, like, he gets really, like, Andy's like, God, I hate this. And he storms out. And then, so, George charges, like, tells Bob to, like, 
get like relieve his stress. Like do something. Like um, and then it cuts to Bob taking a very nervous Andy to a brothel. Mm-hmm. And and he's just like so nervous. He doesn't know what to do with him himself. And but in the end, he chooses two women and then yeah. brings them back to the um to the bedrooms. I don't know yeah. what, how brothels work. <laughs> um, are called. And and then it turns out he's there all, every weekend. Yeah, yeah. And then he, I, either as Andy or as Tony, Ugh. and it cuts to him wrestling the two women in the uh, the room. He proposes for them to come to LA for a nominal fee of five hundred dollars each. They're naked this whole scene. Too. Yes. Yeah. Somehow I didn't remember any of this scene, even though I watched it first as a teenage boy. <laughs> I was like, I didn't remember this at all. How did I over? Was I that melodramatic as a teen? I did. I didn't notice there were boobs. It's not even that sexual, though. No. So to be fair, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like, and they don't really dig into why he goes to prostitutes every weekend. That's a man of. That's a broken man. Seriously. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of gloss over this. And like, th- this is like definitely one of the parts where that's part of this parts of the movies where it's like, this is not holding up his yeah. comedy or his personality. Yeah. We don't need comedians being sexual deviants in yeah. any way. Uh, yeah. Or at least like grounding it in some like real fashion because he is going through some mental, like, like not making any friends outside of Bob, who's a psychopath. <laughs> Bob Bob does seem like a real piece of work. <laughs> yeah. And, Even this side of his life, though, he kept secret from Bob. His yeah. best friend didn't know, oh, you've been here before? Yeah. Every What are the odds we went to the same brothel, too? <laughs> yeah. There must have been... Like, I, I wonder which brothel they went to. Was it in L.A. or... Nevada, which is legal. Well, if he says he got to be Nevada, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, it's well. I don't know. Maybe I mean, if he comes there every weekend, yeah. he's got to be LA, he just right? Commutes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So we cut to a table read of Taxi, where Tony Clifton and none of the taxi actors speak. Really, it's only the main yeah. guy. I think a lot he of says, good looks. Yeah, they mm-hmm. like look at Tony Clifton. Who shows up with the two ladies and he's being disruptive and very rude. And then Tony dances on a, the set taxi in the, and then we cut to like the, the control room where they, uh, one of the directors or the executive was like telling George they have to fire Tony. Right. <laughs> and or Andy. I don't know what they were trying to say with that. Yeah. And then so George has to do this whole charade, including. Them calling Andy in San Francisco, and then um, I thought they were gonna make this a video, like he, it was gonna be a recording. It that's what it seemed like to me on the other end. Like I thought that they were gonna be like, "Oh, there's Tony Clifton out over. We can see him currently on set. We're calling Andy, uh-huh. and he's picking up and he's answering." But the answers were so generic. Mm. I thought it was good. I thought it was like, oh, this is another part of the bit. Yeah. They're really making a thing like this is another person. Mm. I don't know. Like, instead of just being off stage and co- answering the phone. Um, I just know that this was a real thing that happened uh-huh. on the set oh. of Taxi. But then um, what I read was that everybody on set knew who 
Tony was. Right. Like, he wasn't, he was, if you asked Andy, he would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm Tony. Yeah. He wasn't, like, trying to be rude. He was very professional on set or something. Yeah. But it was all, all whole thing with Bob kind of thing. He wanted to create this legacy or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he, Tony walked in, all, speaking of, like, all the shots of the extras or whatever, but this is another th- great thing of getting just shots of faces. Yeah. And their faces are like, Oh boy! Oh, what a, like here's crazy Andy doing his thing. What are we doing here? We're wasting our times or whatever. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually more accurate to the documentary. That's how Jim Carrey behaved on set for real. The days he was supposed to be Tony Clifton, he would show up. They talked to their driver. He would get in the car f- as Tony. At the end of the day, he'd ride home still in character as Tony and he was on set and the Milos the director was just like pleading with him like how can we like do this take they're even trying to get like room tone or sound check Uh at some point and he's barking and making all this noise (laughs) it was the same scene where he was with the girls from the brothel and he's making kind of inappropriate comments that aren't in the movie (laughs) they're like oh yeah tony's terrible and this is also the character he used at the brothel and uh yeah he really was yeah if you watch this movie and you don't like tony just imagine the people who were working with him yeah at that point um, so in the dressing room, Andy in Tony's suit talks to the director, agrees that it's fine for them to fire Tony, but it has to be in front of like the press. It had to be like filmed and like this made this whole to do. And he kicked and he even gets kicked off this lot and with like a bunch of security guards. And the fo- like the foot they the news runs this photo of t- Tony Clifton getting kicked off the set and getting fired for it, and it cuts to Andy reading about it, and then with George and a couple other people that we don't know. It's just like pe- ancillary friends of his that we don't really know, and Andy claims this gives Tony three dimensions. It makes him real. Which because everybody loses a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't trust anyone unless I see they've been fired in the paper. (laughs) Before that, I just assume everyone I know is catfishing me. (laughs) Real life catfishing. Real life catfishing. So George gets a call about um, hiring Tony at Harris. Was it Harris? Harris. Harris. uh, A resort I've been to many times in Reno. Um, And the guy expects Andy Kaufman, but George warns him that it isn't Andy at all. And then at his um, Tony's show, it's like a rough opening. <laughs> He's just like rude and like screaming at people to shut up and stuff. <laughs> but people start to get really into it when he sings. Uh, what was the song he was singing? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't remember. No. Yeah. I feel like it was like My Way or something. Like a... Old blue eyes, something like that. But it 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 really was only to set up the walk on. Uh, yeah, that happens next. Yeah. So then, in the middle of the song of uh of the song, the real Andy Kaufman shows up and plays the drums, and Tony throws a tantrum and then splashes water on him, and the audience boos Tony. And backstage, it turns out Tony was Bob, 
And then George scolds both of them for mo- making the joke only for the two of them, which was kind of true. Like yeah, yeah. it was, it was just the two of them that was laughing at it, and nobody else was really. Even in today's standards, I thought like none of it was funny. Like, no, tricking the audience and making them believe one thing and then completely just like disarming them in in another way was just awful. Yeah, I mean it's. It's again. It's that like level of like Borat. We can go. So we have we as an audience now watching this. Like, oh, that's funny, I guess. Or like, I see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But they just walked out being like, "What the fuck did we just watch?" Yeah, we didn't get the backstory part of it. Yeah, because it again, if it was filmed for other people, like yeah. Borat yeah. was, then we can kind of get it. But it was definitely just for the two of them. <laughs> I think Shapiro hits it on the head when he says it's fun for the audience up until they see Andy and then Andy's gone and then like, oh, we're stuck with some asshole yeah. impersonating Andy as Tony yeah. uh, for another, I don't know, hour. Would we pay for this show? <laughs> um, Andy explains that he has to be one step ahead of the audience at all times, which is kind of true because he was like, he really ripped the the rug from under all of them when he came out. Um Later, Andy and Bob watch wrestling, and Andy wants to be the villain very badly. He said it's like ballet. (laughs) 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 But cut to two men in Speedos throwing each other Yeah, yeah. Then he realizes that he'd have to have someone smaller than him to fight because he would be broken in two seconds by these wrestlers. And I think, I guess I forget that at that time, people think that wrestling is real. Yes, yeah. That's the whole thing about this. It's like everybody just assumed people were, it's real. The whole thing was real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then on the Merv show, Andy makes some anti-woman claims about how they're not as strong as him and he can beat any woman up. Which I thought was like a really funny bit, but they didn't really like make it into a joke. Yeah. Because they just made him into this chauvinist who was an asshole constantly. They never showed any like, oh, him saying like, no, this is joke. Yeah. I think if he had lost more, mm-hmm. I think that would have been funny. Yeah. I think. Um, the whole crowd has like a reaction cl- clearly because there was a bunch of women who were like, no, you were awful booing him and stuff. They were hyphy. Yeah. Everybody was mad. Yeah. For the 70s too, it's just like, it wasn't it wasn't as woke as it is now. I think that I think, uh, that reaction would happen probably more, n- I don't know. No, it's like the first wave feminism oh, okay. was at, oh, that's around true. that time in, um, in burning bras and stuff. Yeah. So it was probably like those sort of sentiment. And then he offers $500 to any woman that could pin him down. And then Lynn comes on stage, who's played by... Um, Courtney Love. Courtney Love. Um, who's also in People versus Larry Flynn. Yeah, bigger uh, role. Yeah. She had the smallest role for being like... The love interest. Yeah, the love interest. Yeah. I remembered her having a much larger role. Me and too. then she shows up. I'm like, it's an hour into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy it, she's in like four more scenes yeah. yeah and she like wrestles with him and after a while like because you think she'd win but then i thought that he would have allowed her to win or like that was the joke that right. he was just gonna be terrible to women but like get sh- shoved into his place kind mm-hmm. of thing but no he like pins her down pretty uh easily <laughs> 
And then the audience jeers at him while he does the uh, chicken song. And then <laughs> that, that part was funny, actually. <laughs> that, to choose that song after that. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, then backstage, Lynn gets a comp <laughs> picture of Merv and Turtle Wax. Every every guest on Merv gets Turtle Wax. <laughs> <laughs> and then a uh, Red Lobster certificate. <laughs> <laughs> and then Andy comes up to her, thanks her, and reveals that he's not really an asshole. And- Which... This was like, oh, wait, she was wrestling for real? Yeah. <laughs> That's dangerous, dude. You can't yeah. do that? Yeah. You can't just do that? Liability wasn't a thing back <laughs> then. Just sure, fight. I think Lynn was an actress. Before, like, in not in this movie, but in real, real life. She, she, They met on a movie instead of this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is fake. Yeah. This was a completely fictional start because I think they wanted to keep her as a small role. <laughs> I was like, shh. Jesus. Okay. Um, so at the gym, George tells Andy that he's gotten hate mail for the first time. Like, Merv has gotten hate mail for the first time ever. And it was like a lot. I think it was 200 hate mail yeah. pieces of hate mail or something. And then Andy goes shows that he's going to do it again to sh- show it's a parody. And I was like, in what way? <laughs> Nobody knows it's a parody. Like, if you had let her win and kept on being an asshole, that would have been fine. Right. Uh, but you were just, like, this domineering asshole that pinned a woman down on live television. Right. And I think what they're positing is that this thing has this longer story arc rather than just one little joke. Yeah. He had this grand idea. Yeah. And uh, what you were saying, like, he invent apparently invented WWE heels and stuff. <laughs> Cut, yeah. Yeah, in the way that they are known now. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird that it, again, it seems like it made everyone seem so dumb. They're yeah. like, oh, this guy means everything he's saying. <laughs> this guy who's done all this weird stuff that we couldn't believe before, well, now this is 100% the real him. Yeah. He's a chauvinist. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, this is it. We've never seen anyone uh, say something they didn't mean before. This is, I don't know what this is. Yeah, it has it's to the, be real. The same guy who was doing Mighty Mouse on SNL. Yeah. Like, he is a woman hater. Mm-hmm. This is just who he is now. Then in we get like a montage of him in the ring with a bunch of women, all of them wrestling, and he's, he's winning out all of them. <laughs> Which is then, are all of those actors too, you think? Or did they was just the first one a real one? Again, I, legally, it seems like you would need to find plants. Yeah. Someone would be able to beat him. Yeah, and only that, but Bob was a plant for him so many times. So yeah. why wouldn't he hire a woman plant? This is what yeah. I mean too. It's like wrestling has a huge plant thing. Like they do that. They do that all the time. Yeah. Plants of like messing with the audience. Yeah. And then, this whole story arc thing, he was like kind of the first one to do these types of things. So if you look back, even the Tony Clifton stuff, he was a like a wrestling character before he there was wrestling characters. Yeah. Um. So Andy takes Lynn to the movies, which I was like, what the hell? <laughs> In what way would she want to go out with him? Because he was such an asshole to her. Yeah. Because in this, they just met in the ring while yeah. wrestling. 
And he, this is her second appearance in this movie that, again, I thought she was the co-star of. And he just goes, we want to get married? I'm like, this is so fast. This is her second scene of the movie. So the way he proposes to her is that they go to Memphis and then he does like this whole bit where he goes, any woman who pins me down will get married. (laughs) I will marry. (laughs) Which is like, (laughs) I don't know. See, again, that is funny, I guess. Yeah, it's in. So she agrees, and then and kisses him. Yeah, and kisses him, and then so we cut to the re- a wrestling match in Memphis. There's a bunch of jeering women, and he like invites any woman into the ring. What he was saying, like for his hand in marriage, which was just so funny. Then someone like, and then Lynn does it, and then she goes up, and before she gets into the ring, um, Jerry. Lawler. Lawler. Mm -hmm. The actual Jerry Lawler, who's an actual wrestler, which I looked up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's the The actual. Yeah, he's the one that was actually working with Andy Kaufman in the 80s. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Plays himself. Yeah, plays himself. Big role. Yeah. More lines than Courtney Love. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) This wrestling storyline is a good chunk of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Good third of it. Yeah. Um, And then he. Jerry accuses Lynn of being like a plant and it was his actual girlfriend and he wasn't gonna um he wasn't gonna wrestle with any woman. So Jerry sends in his own female wrestler to wrestle him and he like she pummels him at first, but then he wins over her, uh-huh. which was great. <laughs> Again, yeah, it's like because if they're curating this, it's that long story arc. Yeah. They wanted this kind of ultimate build of the tension. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and then pandemonium, and then he, uh, we cut to backstage where Lynn confronts him, and she was like, "Why are you treat me treating me like a prop?" Yeah, and I was like, "I want more of that, yeah. like that scene, because she's the only real person in this crazy world that Andy lives in. Because even George is kind of a character because he buys everything that right. Andy's selling." And but Lynn's like calling him out on his bullshit, and she's barely in this movie at all. What does all. he say? Hey, babe. Oh, sorry, babe. I just get caught up in the moment sometimes, <laughs> baby. Hey, baby. And that works. <laughs> yeah, because he proposed to her, and she was gonna say yes. Yes. She wanted to marry him, mm-hmm. but no. She just they get into a slight argument, and that was it. <laughs> He's got enough sad shit happening to him that I could see maybe they wanted to be light on the yeah. that part. Um, yep, it's about to get real bad. For us. <laughs> uh, buckle up, audience. It's about to get worse gonna... by the minute. Yeah. <sighs> so George talks to Andy about not pissing off the South because the whole time he's like just talking shit about the South. Then he offers him a live hosting gig. For uh, Fridays. I've never heard of that show. I guess it's like a Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Cut to Annie not wanting to do a bit about drugs with the director. And that is Zamuda. Oh, is that That's Zamuda. Oh, okay. With the ponytail? With the ponytail. (laughs) You could tell. I was like, when I like looked it up and I was like, oh, they do look like like Paul Giamatti and Zamuda. They have that face. Oh, because he doesn't want to do, he doesn't do drugs, so he doesn't want to make light of them. And it was like, why? It's a weird moral stand. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like, I think this sketch is dumb. It was, I don't do drug humor. 
because I can't relate to it <laughs> and I don't want to make light of it. Why? Every comedian makes light of something. Yeah, he's like yeah. almost he's almost cruel to his audience members too because he's so mean in that sense that he wants to trick them constantly. Yeah. So why all of a sudden drugs is no. Is it yeah. no non It just seems like a lot of work to do what he's doing. Yeah. Like just write some jokes, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Hey, bro, write some <laughs> jokes. So his parents are watching at home. Oh, yeah. Um, More of the parents going, oh, no. They were I, start off uh, very excited, by the way. Jeez. They were so excited. They we were know. in a hotel room. <laughs> we're, we're, that was not their house. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh. So they were watching Fridays. The ste- sketch comes on about him high, coming back from the bathroom. <laughs> Andy high. He's coming back from the bathroom, and he starts out like, Acting as if he was high. Yeah. And then he breaks character. Then his co-stars who are actual like actors. More great cameos. Yes. More great cameos who were not playing themselves but are known for doing sketch and stuff. Yeah. It's Norm MacDonald. Who's playing the Michael Richards. In the original, it's Michael Richards Kramer from Seinfeld. Really? Yeah. Wait. And then I thought, I want to see that biopic. <laughs> Norm McDonald's is Norm <laughs> McDonald is, is Michael Richards. Which is wild because they're probably about the same age. Wait, so Michael Seems- Richards, the actual actual actor, mm-hmm. was in that was in that sketch. Oh <laughs> he's the one that like grabs the cue cards. He's, he walks off set, grabs the cue cards, dumps them in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So who was in on the joke? All of in, them. All of them. Yeah, well, at least according to this. Yeah, okay. Because, okay, so let's explain this bit. So he, like, breaks character. He doesn't want to, like, do it. And he's riling up his other co-stars. Norm's character, like, who plays Michael Richards, um, he's getting pissed. And so he grabs, he's like, just read the cue cards. He's like, just read it, blah, blah, blah. And so he takes the cue cards from the uh, the guy and then throws it on his lap. And then, which riles up Andy and he just splashes water on onto him. And then a freak, fight breaks out with Andy and the director. And the director smacks him in the face. Yeah. Or is it, does he smack the director? I think he smacks the director. Okay, yeah. And then it just cuts to commercial. And it, it's those whole time his parents are watching. And they're like, God. Meanwhile, the the executives in the back like, <laughs> he's like laughing at the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, the, the president of ABC, ABC yeah. yeah, is watching the whole thing. And, and then during this commercial break, he goes, everyone, you are part of a happening. <laughs> and I was like, this. <laughs> That's what they call them now? <laughs> You're all about to commit suicide because <laughs> of the trees. <laughs> I got a young boy named M. Knight who told me about the happening. You're all part of it. <laughs> and some people were part of like some apparently some people were part of it, but I think they were playing it off like the actors didn't know because they were like yeah. still uh, stone faced pissed about it. I think Norm I think I saw at least Norm like doing a change and he like bowed or something like that. Oh, okay. To mention the other actors that were in the scene was Marilyn Rice Cub and then Caroline Ray. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. Um, And then Andy comes back and explains that it was staged or like, um, so he's supposed to talk to the camera and say this was, whole thing was staged and then he backtracks and tells that 
actually, the president is telling me to say it's staged, but it wasn't at all. Like, it wasn't. And if you want to see me again, like, uh, check me out in Memphis. And then it, it cuts, cuts off. Commercial. Yeah. Which, this is, um, this is actually kind of super duper meta. Uh, and I'll get to the, I'll get to it later, but this actually happened to the studio, to Jim Carrey, to another cast member while they're shooting this. Right. It's like super meta. It, it's, it's really, really weird. I, I don't know if it happened in the in the documentary, the mention in the documentary or not, but I'll, I'll, it's like we're about to get to it right okay, now. Okay, okay. So in Memphis, a wrestler comes to the stage, and then I think it was uh, Jerry. Um, yeah, because yeah, they were supposed to fight each other or like wrestle each other. Jerry comes to the stage, everyone's cheering for him, and they're like in love with him. And then Andy shows up <laughs> to Jeers, and he's wearing a bathrobe. And for, I was like, if. Everyone is so, like, not everyone's that dumb. They yeah. must know that he's doing a bit or something. An old-timey yeah. wrestling outfit, by the way, and the bathrobe. And then Zamud is holding one little tiny sparkler. It's <laughs> 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 like, that is fucking funny. I missed that. That is yeah. great. Yeah. So I don't, like, it was just hard for me to believe that nobody, uh, everyone yeah. thought this was real. And then... Andy hijacks Mike and riles everyone up by calling, telling them to bathe and explaining what <laughs> hygiene was because he was still like harking on the idea that Southerners are disgusting. Yeah, and like really riling up the crew. Did you read the bit about the uh, the actual production of the movie? They wanted Southerners, so they put people in straw hats. Yes, I saw that too. <laughs> and then the real Jerry Lawler showed up. He's like, this is Memphis. It's not like... <laughs> this is a blues town. Backwoods <laughs> yeah. deliverance thing. So they just had them take the hats off. <laughs> They're probably all wearing like overalls with no shirts underneath or yeah. something. I didn't look that closely. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. Um, so this just riles them up even more. His parents and Lynn are in the audience. And like, and his brother and sister <laughs> yeah, too, right? Yeah. His parents. His his mom's like, just let's go home every time. Oh yeah, because she's all like, yeah, yeah, telling him from the audience, like let's, because they're sitting kind of in the front, like let's go home. <laughs> yeah. We should go home. Just stop it. I like again. I have a hard time believing that his parents were that stupid. Gerald, this is why you let him talk to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is your fault. And then he goes, uh, "Do you see, <laughs> Mom? I'm gonna make you proud by or whatever." Like, so he's interacting with his poor mother. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh yeah. So during the show, he gets really hurt, quote unquote, because I don't like everybody. Like they don't really explain very much about that scene. Pile driver. Right? Yeah, because they yeah. do a pile driver, and they don't really go into like, oh, he didn't really get hurt because like it's a professional wrestling yeah. set so they practice and like what we know now of what wwe does um so he does the pile driver he gets hurt and he gets wheeled out and he like wears like a neck brace after that but uh after the the wrestling show george meets up with lorne which is turns out to be the real lord yep. you're saying yep. mm-hmm. um to put it's wild that you didn't think it was the actual lord i thought Multiple close-ups of it. <laughs> I thought he looks a lot like this one actor, like from um, from like West Wing, that dude from yeah. Uh, uh, 
I can't remember his name. Oh, get out. Bradley Whitford. Bradley yeah. Whitford. <laughs> that's actually great that. casting. That yeah. is. That's Bradley why Whitford. I, I thought it was yeah, him. That's so funny. So he's meeting up with Lauren because he's trying to get Andy back on SNL. And um, Lauren's like, I don't know, man. Like, our, the South is pretty big market, I guess. I don't know. I don't think he says that, but like, it was basically kind of that. Um, field. A lot of lines for Lauren Michaels. <laughs> yeah. Probably <laughs> equal amount as Courtney Love. Let's <laughs> just say that. So on Letterman with Jerry Lawler and Andy, they're sitting next to each other. Andy has like a neck brace on. It's pretty yeah. funny. And this is a real scene. People can like look this up. Uh-huh. Um, and then Real Letterman's in here too. Yes. Yeah. Real, actual Letterman it's is not in there. Bill Hader or anything. No. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> It would have been good. Yeah. Um, so, Real Letterman refused to wear a wig that looked like him in the 80s. Or any prosthetics. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we read the same IMDb <laughs> trivia. It sounds like it. <laughs> so Andy starts apologizing for doing everything, including the villain stuff. Then he gets slapped by Jerry Lawler because he's not being really apologetic. He's like backhanded apology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on a tirade against Jerry and starts like screaming profanities and like <laughs> and like runs around like a, a very co- uncomfortable David Letterman. Yeah, and, did like, great. Yeah, <laughs> it did. He like perfectly reenacted himself. Yeah. from like twenty years before. Yeah, he's like screaming and he's like yelling, fu- like basically "fuck you, Jerry." Right. Blah blah yep. blah. And then um, it cuts to Lauren on the television, like announcing that. Like half of you guys are okay with Andy and half of you guys aren't. So let's put it to the vote that to keep either uh, Andy on SNL or not. This is such a weird historical moment that just pops up out of nowhere. Yeah. I was like, wait, they had like an American Idol vote? Yeah. It's <laughs> like Andy. public humiliation. Yeah. Like, can you stand this guy? Should we fire him or not? <laughs> yeah. America decides. <laughs> um, so I will say, so... Um, this slap that happened between uh, Jim Carrey and uh, Lawler was real, and he actually slapped him way harder than uh, he ever did to Andy Kaufman. And you can see in the scene, he actually is bloody on his lip on the side that he slapped because he actually knocked the shit out of him. And they continued the scene and all, did all this stuff, and there was this big thing in the press about how they were fighting, and Jim Carrey wanted Lawler off the set because he was so annoying during filming and was insulting him and did, did was constantly in character just like Andy was just to be it like constantly chiding him and stuff like that that Lawler like was just like well I'm gonna fucking slap you in the face so they made a big thing about like oh I want him off the set and then the producers came out like kind of when the movie was airing it was like oh that was a bit to uh, let people like for promotion of the of the thing uh-huh. but it came out later that it wasn't a bit <laughs> He actually was very mad at him. So he went. So the whole thing of him saying, "Oh, the studio is making me say this," they literally had to do that for the movie. Jesus. Yeah, in the documentary, uh, Lawler puts him in a chokehold at some point, <laughs> and he says to him, "He's like, he's like, I can do this whenever I want. <laughs> Just like a warning, like leave me alone, or else I can crush you again." You see how I have your head in my... <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I wanted to know more about Jerry Lawler's part in this whole like bit. I think he wasn't in on the bit. The reason they have the footage is because uh, Jim Carrey 
the more I read and the more I looked into it, I was like, okay, the people behind this were the actual Bob Zamuda and Lynn Margulies, his uh-huh. girlfriend. And they're the ones filming. Like, Lynn is, uh, I think she's an editor and producer, uh-huh. and so she's filming a lot of the stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why Jim Carrey is doing this behind. He's being Andy, and they're filming it for our sake. Oh, my God. But then it got so out of control with Lawler that the studio said, you can't release any of this footage. We don't want anyone to think you're a total asshole. Oh, wow. Because he was being a total asshole. That's fucking crazy. On purpose. So it was like uh, that... um Joaquin Phoenix movie. Oh, yeah. He was like trying to do that before that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm still here. I'm still here. Where he was like playing this weird character. I yeah. forgot about that. But with Lawler regarding the the, the wrestling thing, I'm, I think like I, what I'm assuming happened and I think what happened is Andy Kaufman saw this potential mm-hmm. and he probably contacted a really good wrestler or multiple wrestlers to essentially guide him through into this world. They, yeah. He literally picked the king of Memphis wrestling or whatever and later on became such a big star to like because you can't just do wrestling you know it's a lot of like moves and stuff mm-hmm. and there's certain language and stuff so. I mean yeah I've watched Glow all three seasons <laughs> I don't, don't want to brag but I know the process oh wow yeah <laughs> so I think he helped kind of incorporate him into the wrestling world yeah that's what I figured because um, after the vote he's voted off Andy reads it in the newspaper with George, and then it reveals that Jerry Lawler was in on this whole bit the whole time. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to get his actual, like, post-Andy Coffin's, like, insight on, like, what was really happening between the two of them. Because it's such an interesting thing. Like, it yeah. was an interesting story plot, but, like, they didn't really get into it nope. at all. Then it just takes a wild turn. Oh boy! Where he's publicly humiliated by being kicked off of SNL. Yes. And he's coughing now. He's starting to cough more now too. And then it goes straight to meditation, saying, "Sorry, what was the line?" <laughs> oh man, it's not that we doubt your devotion to transcendental meditation. Yes. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like, I don't think you're that committed to sparkle motion. <laughs> it was that bad. In three minutes, there's the SNL thing. You're not welcome in transcendental meditation. Which he has been and, doing since college. So yeah. it's a very important part of his life. Yeah. And then George Shapiro saying, taxi's canceled. Two, one. What's this lump on my neck? <laughs> All of that in three minutes. While he's Just, clearly moved into a Silver Lake house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a very nice house that he moved in with uh, Lynn. Yeah. And he, so he gets the call. When he gets the call that can- taxi's canceled from George. Like, I did not buy that he was sad. Like, because he was shitting on it the whole time yeah. of the movie. So I wish that they added more of, like, why he cared about Taxi. Like, it wasn't the money, probably, because he was making money as a comedian. And Tony Clifton, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tony's a big money maker. Um, Everybody wants to be called Baldy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's getting good, man. <laughs> so he. So I wanted to see, like, his interaction with the cast, too. Like, there was none of that. There was no... It seemed like he had a very small world. And everybody, except Lynn, like, was basically using him for whatever means. Like, yeah. Bob wanted to use him as for his art or whatever. His com- comedic art. Or, like, yeah. his anti-comedy or whatever it was. And then George was kind of care, but not really... 
because he was in and out of the, his storyline until like until the very end, and he was just a manager. Like not a lot of people have really good relationships with their like employees if you really think about it. And then Lynn, obviously, we've been complaining throughout the whole <laughs> this whole podcast she's, that she's barely that was there. A cameo, yeah, he does, yeah. Th- this is the one of the moments where she does have one a line, uh, or, or the bef- <laughs> slightly before this, before they move in, she like comes in, he's laying in bed, she grinds on him and says, "I love you" or something like yeah. that. It's a very Courtney Love, uh, uh, People versus Larry Flint <laughs> part of it, <Yeah. laughs> and then and then they move in together, yeah. Um, so after, um, he gets fired, or, like, taxi gets canceled, he gets that lump. At a late night set, Andy does a sad sack routine about his life. People are, like, trying to get into it and, like, laughing a little bit. And then he offers a dollar for people to touch his celebrity cyst. (laughs) And I was like, "Mm." Which is kind of funny. Yeah. (laughs) He looks haggard. He looks yeah. fucked up. Yeah. He looks like he's been on a bender for a few days. Yeah. I wish... Yeah, again, there was no real, like, comedy comedy. Like, nobody was like, are you okay? Like, people were just buying into, like, this was the whole act. And I guess that was kind of his brand. Yeah. And then, again, this is great extra work because there's people like, oh, okay, I'm looking at it. <laughs> and then there's one long shot of some being, somebody like... I don't know. This isn't for me. And it's all in the eyes. It's all in the eyes. And it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Uh, um, to double back, I wrote down that Lynn scene where she grinds up on it. That's the third time she's shown up in the movie. Yeah. And it's an hour and 23 minutes in. <laughs> I was like, this is really okay. <sighs> yeah. It's two uh, lines. So after that, um, his set, at 4 a.m. in the morning, he calls Bob, George, and Lynn at a restaurant. And Andy explains that he has lung cancer. And nobody believes this him. This is so sad. He's the boy who cried wolf. Literally. For sure. Yeah. yeah and I'm The boy who cried wolf cancer. <laughs> so I know that uh, Jim Carrey did a really good job about this. Because I even said, even though he was like pretty difficult from the documentary of acting in this Role. I feel like he's the only one who could have played Andy Kaufman at all. Yes. Pretty good. Uh, in the running were the f- runner up was Edward Norton, which oh. would have been crazy. Yeah. And they only picked Jim Carrey because they're like, well, the he studio. prints money. Yeah. <laughs> the studio. Yeah. They wanted. were wrong. Oh, yeah. They were wrong. Um, I, don't th- I think it would have been far worse with Ed- Edward Norton, to be fair. Yeah. Did you see the other names on that list? Yeah. Nick Cage. Nick Cage. He, Nick Cage was down, but he didn't want to audition. He, the director made everybody audition uh-huh. as Andy Kaufman, like no matter the the status. But Nick, Nick Cage, John Cusack was one of them. Oh, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Who Ooh. won the Oscar in this same year. Ooh. Oof. Again, everybody in 19... This movie isn't bad, <laughs> but I wanted to bring this up before. It's When it came out, these are the movies that came out in December of 99. It came out three days before Christmas. This is a Christmas... This is a holiday movie? Yeah. shit. Right? Don't you think of the holidays when you're like, oh, yeah, Andy Kaufman, of course. (laughs) This is December. The Green Mile. Uh Bicentennial Man. So there's already a comedian doing a sad movie. (laughs) Uh, Stuart Little. Stuart Little, classic Christmas fun time. That's fun. Girl Interrupted, another Oscar nominee. Any Given Sunday, drama about football, whatever. Galaxy Quest, 
Lovely. Great. So good. Magnolia. <laughs> talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, my God. And, of course, uh, to top it all off, uh, Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> so... <laughs> Everyone oh. was all laughed out. So all those movies. <laughs> they were like, oh, we don't need to see Jim Carrey. I mean. Well, all those movies were basically Oscar baits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Deuce Bigelow for And then sure. they dropped this in the middle of it, and it just got kind of left behind. Yeah. That's a crazy list of movies to come out in a month. Girl yeah. Interrupted came out the same time as Green Mile? Yeah. That That's seems crazy. like such an old movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Um. So... At the restaurant, he explains that he has lung cancer, which George points out, you've never smoked. And then he was like, it's a rare cancer. And yeah. so, of course, that kind of adds to like, are you faking it? Or are you doing a bit? A missed opportunity for Jim Carrey to say, uh, yeah, I've never been smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, this, if they really wanted to boost it up, yeah. he could have he drawn from the well. <laughs> and then turned around grabbed his butt cheeks and said, thank, thank you very, very much. much. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, they just yeah, they, it put was him like, on a leash. A really sad, like, scene. And, like, he, because Bob's like, you could market this. This could be so funny. Like He's on board. Like, he's oh, super on board. I get board. the joke. It's he's, the sociopath again. He, oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> and then he, like, and he's, like, kind of processing it and then runs away. And then Lynn chases after him. We don't get a scene between him and Lynn having this emotional scene where he announces he has cancer to her. Uh, it was, it was, it fucked me up because it goes like, I want the truth. And I'm thinking that's her. Uh-huh. But then it's not. It's a, it's a J cut of what they're watching in the next scene. Yes. Which it is- was, um, so in the next scene, they are at home, Andy and Lynn watching Lassie, <laughs> which is, I guess, Okay, yes. <laughs> There's a courtroom scene with Lassie, yeah. Yeah, where he, like, Lassie's saved because she did not bite that boy. <laughs> you know you know, Lassie didn't bite nobody. Case dismissed. And that's the scene. <laughs> then he, after that scene, he's, like, crying and he calls his family to tell, finally tell them that he has cancer. And then the doctor explains, like, we cut to a scene in the um, hospital. The doctor has, like, all the x-rays up. And he explains that to his family, uh, Andy's family, that he has cancer. He was not there with them or anything. And then his siblings don't believe him. Yes. Because they're like, he's playing a trick on us. Like, And they mentioned that he was he never broke his neck uh, in that wrestling scene. Right. And it was just like, they think it's Bob thinks... Uh, or like not Bob but his brother's like this is a bit did you not see the doctor's shoes <laughs> a very young Doug Stamper yeah. Yeah. Of cards. yeah 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 yeah. the shoes line was very funny <laughs> and then the the sister uh, is actually uh, Andy Kaufman's daughter so she's actually playing her own aunt oh yeah and then his her his granddaughter is playing his little the younger version oh really the one that was Singing along to oh, yeah, the, the, the replacement the for the wall. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so after that scene, it cuts to the Enquirer, the National Enquirer, who gets a scoop that Andy Kaufman's sick and dying. And they're like, it's fake. It's a phony tip. Like, this is Andy's gotten us before. Let's not run it. Little David Keckner cameo. <laughs> so many of these little things that I haven't seen it since I've learned who these people yeah. are. It's got that almost famous quality um, where there's just like a bunch of comedians just kind of 
filling out the background. Yeah. 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 And Annie meditates about the white cells attacking the cancer cells with the holistic medicine man. And then after uh, it cuts to the outside where the holistic medicine man is leaving, George and George walks by and he's like, that's an actor. Yeah. He's like, I've seen him on something. And then uh, Andy's like, yeah, but he's also like a registered holistic doctor or something. And then, um, and again, like, why wasn't there a scene where George is like, talk to me? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Why aren't, like, is this real? Like, please, yeah. just tell me. Don't this- be fucking with me, right? Yeah. I did, I liked DeVito's reaction in that scene, like, the most. It was immediately like, oh, fuck you. This is in bad taste. Yeah. And then it becomes more real, and he's just like, swear to me, if this is true, I will, <laughs> this, and I just realized I love DeVito and all of his scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Even that, really good. even that scene in the improv where uh, Andy's doing like the Elvis stuff, it's like just seeing DeVito kind of look around the room and be like, there's something here. I was yeah. Like, yeah. And so um, George and Andy talk about playing uh, his dream, which he finally mentions after an hour and 30 minutes. Again, no, he mentioned it in the beginning, too. Yeah, in the beginning, yeah. He brings it back up. Yeah, he brings it back up finally near the end. <laughs> Because we forget that his dream was to be on Carney in Carnegie Hall, like yeah. sold out show. That was his dream. They start the planning process. He wants to it to be. Do more- they, they, they? He briefly mentions it, and because the end of this movie just keeps making leaps, it's just like I want to do Carnegie Carnegie Hall, and then they're in Carnegie <laughs> yeah. Hall. Yeah, it's like what were the logistics behind this? <laughs> well, I want to see the thought, a brainstorming. Yeah. It should. It, it it really does have that ultimate beat. It, it didn't really need to move past them getting milk and cookies. Yeah, no. Like, it has that ultimate beat of like he went through the shit. He went through the cave. You know, classic story. He went through the cave, found the thing, and then he goes back to his roots of going to Carnegie Hall and tries to be positive again. Yeah. yeah. And they could have been that big. That could have been the last act. Yeah. Yes. But no, it's uplifting a scene. and wonderful. Yeah. yeah. He's doing all this stuff, and <laughs> in the brainstorming, they say. Ah, and then I say I have cancer, and they're like, no, that's too depressing. Instead, let's have a sweet old lady fake her death on stage. <laughs> and I was like, where's... he's?" So he's... It's just like, when I think in real life, he was trying to go on a PR campaign to say he's not that negative person anymore. And this was the that moment to actually do that. Yeah. yeah. And But he still couldn't do do that. He couldn't go all the way with it because he let an old lady die. He still threw in a little asshole moment where everyone's like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, because he, so in this scene, he shows this, like, um, this clip from some musical with cowgirls. Because I guess he has a running theme of being obsessed with cowboy stuff. But they never address it in the movie because he was, like, really into Howdy Howdy Doody. And then this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then, like, he... So he invites the last remaining cowgirl, and she's ninety four, and he makes her ride around on the cow, like the the horse thing, and to music, and he's like making her frantically dance, 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 and then she falls over and has a quote unquote heart attack, and then he invites, he has to call a doctor on stage, and then the doctor calls it, she's dead, and which he, is his brother, yeah, his brother. Puts over like his <laughs> jacket. Fucking funny though. Yeah. Like that's that's a Borat joke for yeah. sure. Like us seeing it now. Like the idea that the doctor would 
in front of the whole auditorium, put just his jacket to yeah. signify that she's dead. And then she, he um, just does something, and then she rises oh. up. Oh, no. Just no, no, does no. something. Oh, wait, no, no, I no, forgot no. what it was. No, oh, no, no. no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was the non-PC yep. Indian headdress. Uh-huh. Yep. Medicine man chant mm-hmm. that he puts over the dead, the quote unquote dead body, and then she rises up and she just smiles at the audience, and there's cheers, and then there's, and then in the background, there's also the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Also, the original, if you watch the actual footage, no Indian headdress, no offensive chant. Oh, really? really? He just comes out and kind of does like his gibberish sort of stuff. He's just like, <laughs> and he just does that. And then she rises up. There's no oh. weird Native oh American thing. God. Okay. That actually makes me very happy. Because yeah. I, I, that's in the point of the movie. I was just like, oh, Andy Kaufman was just known for doing racial stereotypes. Yeah. His whole bit was just doing weird accents. Yeah. Because like even in the foreigner man, that accent doesn't exist. Yeah, he I made think that he up. Sounds like an alien person. Yeah. Yeah. So that bit at the end, now I'm glad that you cleared it up that it does not exist. It just it made was, it a weirder choice for yeah. Jim Carrey and everyone in ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? So that was probably a take that he just decided to do. Why? Yeah. <laughs> so the Mormon it was very Bizarre. Yeah, it was very bizarre. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the Mormon Tabernacle Choir sings, and then the Rockettes show up along with Santa, and then he <laughs> buses the whole audience to get milk and cookies, and Andy's, like, getting cheers from the audience, and everybody loves him again. And then he, and then we cut to, like, kind of, like, this last montage of him, like, getting scans, and then doing crystal healing. He's, like, mixing... Western and Eastern. Give me like, more. Give me two more red crystals and one more blue. I I think I'll really need it. Yeah. And yeah. the guy's like, I mean, these aren't working. <laughs> like, it it kind of felt. It kind of felt though, like even in while dying, he was just making a dad joke right there. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll take two of the blue. <laughs> mm. <laughs> just, can I have two blue crystals? Like, it's like when you scan at the checkout and they're like, oh, the price isn't showing up. And the guy goes, so I guess it's free. <laughs> it's like him just asking, can I get an extra blue crystal? <laughs> Got any extra dinner mints for my pillow? Oh, see, I thought he was actually like, he bought into it so much that this is what he, like, he really thought two more would work. Yeah. Because uh-huh. it was then for setting up the final thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think he was. Little, a pretty genuine about it. Because um, he, because the thing was that I wish they wanted, made him want to live more. You know what I mean? Like it was just like joke, joke, joke. What was he going to live for? Like, you know, like I guess possibly he already did the thing of what he wanted to do, which was play at Carnegie Hall and like be like remembered to be like this positive, funny guy. And he got that there. But then they didn't really, like, they kind of left off the motivation after that of, like, what he wanted to live for. Because he never talked to Lynn. Like, they never got married in real life either. And so he was just, he just wanted, I and I get that, like, he, like, human nature is just to continue living. But it, there was, like, no, story-wise, no motivation for it mm. either. 
Because, okay. Yeah. So we cut back to the kitchen where Lynn is cooking with her, her friend that we don't know. Oh, um, uh, no. It's uh, it's one of the whole, uh, med- meditation ladies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And Tony shows up and like was like, let's get a menage a trois between all of us. Funny, Ooh. man. They're all laughing it up. And I'm like, that is... This is weird. Yeah. That's not, you don't do this with your friends, your girlfriend's friends. Like, yeah. even in character. Yeah. How are they laughing at this? Tony Clifton's just a blank check to do whatever you want. <laughs> I think so, right? Yeah. yeah. Even Bob Samuda in the documentary, uh, Jim Carrey gets invited to the Playboy Mansion. And so they warn him, like, oh, he's going to show up as Tony Clifton. So they're goofing around with Tony Clifton for like an hour and a half and then Jim Carrey shows up and they realize this was some other guy who was probably doing things that they excused because oh it's Jim Carrey but then once they found out it wasn't Jim Carrey they were like (laughs) no and they kicked him out immediately sometimes I think Clifton was like for Bob he's like I can do whatever I want I think so too yeah definitely yeah a little slimy we cut to like a sunset outside of their um, LA home and he's laying there like he's bald and like staring into the sunset and then I noted, why does he still have his eyebrows? <laughs> I didn't notice that. Well, I didn't notice that either. Yeah, because yeah. when you have chemo, all yeah. your hair falls off. But he had his eyebrow, like signature, like unibrow still. And I was like, wait, is that supposed to, maybe someone told, I was told this to somebody and they were like, it might have been just a mistake, but it could just also play into the narrative that everything. It's a joke. Yeah, everything was a joke to him. Like everything mm-hmm. you, like he messed with perception so much. That like this could be like a red herring that he didn't have cancer or something. I don't know. Like maybe I'm reading too much into it. Okay, I would give the filmmakers credit if they were like, <laughs> let's put a little wink in there. So yeah. Like, Did he go through chemo? Yeah, because George comes up to, like, and then George comes up to him and talks to him, and then um, Andy says that he has an idea for a kids show and they want to go. He wants to go out and ta- uh, like sell it, and then he says like well i'll be well enough because i had to fly out and it turns out he's going to the philippines for a miracle um and then we cut to the philippines he and lynn and bob wait in line and to be examined by the quote-unquote doctor it's one of those places that like pulls out the sickness you know Mm -hmm. and then in this bloody mess like this sickness is like pulled out and he Gets examined. I like too that it's it's so quick. Like he's like there every there's a bunch of patients before him and stuff, and he this guy that's this healer is just like pull it out. All right, next one, pull it out, next one. Like it's seems clearly fake. Yeah, yeah. It's the Wikipedia. It's psychic surgery, and they call it a pseudoscientific medical fraud. And I thought I remembered it being a little more vague when I watched it. Like, uh-huh. I think I fell for it when I yeah. used to watch it. I was like, oh. oh, I wonder what this crazy thing he did was. But in this, there's a very clear shot where you can see the animal, like, yeah. guts in his hand. Yeah. yeah. Like, for a long shot. It's yeah. very purposeful. Oh. Yeah. 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 Because I think someone pointed it out to me. Maybe I need to rewatch it. But, like, in Jim Carrey's face, he looks so hopeful. Like, he looks like this is the yeah. be-all, end-all. Yeah. For his sickness. And like he gets wheeled in. And then the doctor starts examining him. 
And then the doctor goes to the basin to wash his bloody hands. And in that, you can see him grabbing animal parts. Yeah. yeah. And then... Total sleight of hand. Yeah. Like, and then cover his hand and then go over to uh, Andy's body and then starts messing with it. And then in Andy's... From Andy's perspective, you could see the animal parts in his hands. Yeah. 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 And then... Andy starts laughing. Yeah. Because this is a joke on him. That like... The ultimate joke. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's been tricking everybody in the world. And then he's finally getting tricked himself. Ugh, this shit wrecks it's me. It's game-recognized game. Yeah. Game right yeah. <laughs> he just it doesn't say it. Yeah. And I thought that was like his... I feel like that was his first emotional scene that yeah. I bought. Like he was an actual he, he was he was uh, uh, an audience member for yeah. the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I guess like that was the genius of the movie too. I guess I don't know. No, Maybe fuck that. <laughs> well, now you get your second creative cut of the movie after the lion roar, and now it ends with just a real haunting <sighs> open casket that gives me nightmares. Which and I, was- I can never look at uh, uh, Billy Corgan the same way yeah, again he looks without thinking awful. about this. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's wild how they was how the casket was set up too. Because instead of like usually caskets are kind of like parallel, I guess, or like if you're looking directly at it, you're looking at the side of the casket. Yeah, but yeah. his casket was propped up face to face with the audience. <laughs> And not only that, but like this black and white video is playing over him. Right. Like, and he's singing and he's getting the audience to sing with him and like doing this like uh, back and forth with them. And like mm-hmm. everyone's crying and like all the prostitutes from the brothel are there. And everybody's here from yeah, the audience yeah. and they come back. Everyone. Even who's... Caroline Ray, for some reason, is hugging Jerry Lawler <laughs> as if they had a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so they are having this um, back and forth and they're like, like loving it and they're like crying and laughing at the same time. And then he at the end of it, at the end of the video, he says goodbye. And that really did kill me a little bit. Like it was was crying throughout this whole scene. Yeah, it was a great scene. And like it was the second emotional beat of the whole film. (laughs) Perfect timing. Perfect timing. And then at the end of it, we cut to a year later. Tony Clifton shows up at a club. The audience expects like he runs in with a bag over his head and like the bodysuit and everything. Andy, they're expecting Andy in this audience, and then he's like starts singing in the uh, like along with the audience. Lynn and George are there, and Tony sings "I Will Survive" to a packed house, and it ends with a pan over the audience, and then over Bob, and then onto Andy Kaufman's neon face. Mm. So it no to uh, it was to Zamuda. No, 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 yeah, Bob. Or did I say Andy? Or you no? said Andy Kaufman's uh, they do show neon, the neon face. face. No, no, no. It was Bob right there, and then Bob. they end on oh, the neon face oh, of Andy Kaufman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like saying like kind we don't old. know who Tony Clifton is, right? And like it kind of winks at the audience that we don't know if he's really dead or yeah. not, which is such a fuck you to <laughs> everybody because we were crying. Yeah, and I. And I understand that that was his character, especially to the end of his life. But still, still. Yeah. 
100% like that was Zamuda up there and he I mean they, he probably wasn't seen in the audience yeah. that you know in, in real life yeah there's just to, to perpetuate the, the lore yeah the movie just decides to get playful and fourth wall again they bookend the movie with like a playful fourth wall sort of thing at the yeah. beginning and uh-huh. then the middle just uh, sort of gets in the weeds and then they <laughs> go, get back to it and you're like oh man somewhere in there was a better cut of this movie 100% yeah. yeah maybe even just longer so it didn't feel so rushed <laughs> Maybe they could explain some of that wrestling stuff. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Maybe Lynn gets to live a life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a break. <laughs> I need this place like I need a shotgun blast to the face. Now let's go down and meet some of the audience. All right. Hey, how y'all doing? Where are you from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa! Somebody's wearing a lot of perfume around here. Must be that time of the month. Huh? I know all the tricks. So how you doing? You having a, you enjoying that pasta carbonara? Appears as if you are. Whoops, hey, look out. I think you're sat in some cottage cheese. Oh, pardon me, that's your ass. Okay. How you doing? You enjoying the show? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What's your name? Uh, Bob. Bob! What's your last name? Up and down in the water? Uh. Huh? <laughs> Gorski. Gorski? Mm-hmm. That Polish? Yeah. You trying to do uh, some Polish humor? No, that's... Uh, Shut up! That's just my name. Shut up! I do not appreciate the racial stars. I think them dumb Polacks have been ridiculed enough. I do a clean show here. You want to see some humor? Here's some humor right here. Ah, right there, okay? Ah, you just sit down and enjoy that, okay? And you, Shapiro, I'll see you backstage, Baldy. Okay, we're back. Um, and let's get into our trailers. And I'll go first, Dave. In a world where there's a woman. She's living her life in L.A. as an actress. And then she all of a sudden meets this asshole of, an, uh, of a comedian who thinks that women suck. But it turns out that he has a third dimension. It's Andy Kaufman. This is their love story. Lynn Margulies and Andy Kaufman. They're falling in love in this two years of their life. There's ups and downs because he uses her as a pawn sometimes and she calls him out for it. And she is also a three-dimensional character. (laughs) This is Man on the Moon. (laughs) Nice. Great enough about Lynn. I should have looked her up before doing this trailer. Uh, mentioning her video editing and yeah. producing oh, credits. Yes, yes, that's right. She uh, wears many hats. <laughs> they don't mention that in the movie. No. Her love of hats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dave, your third. Okay. Okay. 
in a world <laughs> where it's 1999 or 1984 and the American public has never seen a person be in character before. Andy Kaufman's ghost is Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman. Is he smart or is he dumb? We're not sure. He could be a genius who knows exactly what he's doing or he could have no idea what's happening. Also, Lynn's there. <laughs> Lynn, in this case, replaced the wall that his dad said he couldn't talk to anymore. Lynn reacts about as much as the wall. <laughs> There's a guy named Bob who just rides his friend's coattails, does creepy things when he puts on sunglasses and a mustache. Anywho, it's R.E.M.'s biopic, Man on the Moon. <laughs> oh, shit. Coming January 2000, alongside such classic movies as Supernova, Eye of the Beholder, Isn't She Great, The Big Tease, My Dog Skip with Frankie Muniz, and Down to You, starring Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> R.E.M.'s Man on the Moon. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God, Dave. You actually just pulled out research for this trailer. Wow, bud. Yeah, once I saw the list of movies that came out December 99, I, I was like, no why January. didn't they just, why did they bury it three days before Christmas? Why didn't they just put it in October or January? And again, January, uh, not a lot of competition. Nope. <laughs> Still nope. could have qualified for the Oscars. Oof. Yep. Anyways, we're at the close. Do you have any social media or anything you want to plug? Um, my Instagram and Twitter are Go David Charles because that was once my musical uh, alias. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. You have music out right now too, right? As uh, something's on Spotify. Go look him up. <laughs> yes, it's good. Um, and you can follow me at Mary H B Win on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show. Everything's on our website, inaworldpod.com. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe, everything. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, next week, next we week. have... We are watching Titan AE. So be prepared. Uh, watch that shit. Uh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> is, is that the animated movie? Yes, yes. it is. All right. it's, you like it's streaming on HBO. Go if yeah. you guys have it. If not... It. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Get the give them the inner world bump. Yes. Uh, to tighten A E. <laughs> Anyways, have a good night. Bye. In a world.